imitators of God as beloved children. And then Paul begins to give us more ways in which we can walk worthy of our salvation while imitating our Heavenly Father. Remember, two weeks ago, I gave you the beginning illustration of that child that is looking like and acting like and doing everything he can do to be like his father. Because young children look up to their fathers. They want to be like their dads until they get old enough like Noah that they realize their dad's not that cool anymore. And they no longer want to be like their fathers, right? But when they're young and they don't know any better, they look at their father. They don't see anything but perfection. Remember how when you were young, you didn't see the weakness your dad had. You didn't see any of the bad. Most of the time, you just saw the goodness of your father and you wanted to be just like him. Well, the great news is our Heavenly Father has no weakness. He has no flaws. He has only goodness to imitate. And so we look to our Heavenly Father and we want to be just like Him. Amen? And this text gives us ways in which we can walk and imitate our Heavenly Father. And so last week we saw that we are to walk in the in love as our heavenly father loves us and this morning we're going to see that we imitate God by walking in light and so what we're going to do is we're going to pick up back in verse 1 we're going to read all the way through verse 14 because I want to get to verse 8 in context so that we understand the flow of the text and then we're going to walk through verses 8 to 8 through 14 together this morning. So jump with me now, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you, verse 6, with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers or partners with them. Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Lord, again, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have together today to walk through this text. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, and that your will would be done in us and through us as we try to imitate you 
by walking in light. Lord, I pray that by the end of this message, we would understand exactly what that means, how we can accomplish that by following our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, enable us to understand and enable us to apply this text into our own hearts and lives. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, in the text, we're going to see three ways in which we can imitate God by walking in light. Number one, we walk in the light by demonstrating the fruit of light. We walk in the light by demonstrating the fruit of light. Now, notice in verse 8, I want you to notice who we were versus who we now are. For at one time you were darkness. Notice it does not say at one time you were in darkness, but it says that at one time you were darkness. And what Paul is pointing out to us is that at one point in our life, we were alienated from God. We were sons of disobedience and children of wrath. There was none good, no, not one. That's who we are or who we were apart from Christ. Amen? We were darkness. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But notice in verse 8, that's not who we are any longer. Notice what it says in verse 8. It says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Again, notice that we're not in the light. We are light. We are light in the Lord because of the work that Jesus Christ has done in our heart and our lives. Now, in order, in order to understand all the symbolism between light and darkness, we have to go back to where this is introduced to us in the Gospel of John. And so, listen with me as I read John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Speaking of Jesus, John says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness... And the darkness has not overcome it. Then in verse 9, John continues and says, The true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In other words, John helps us to see the symbolism here that Jesus is the light of the world or he is life to mankind. And so when we see the word light and darkness in this text, light is referring to the eternal life that we have through Christ And darkness is referring to us being dead and separated from God because of the sin that's in our life. And so what Paul is saying with this context in mind here in Ephesians 5 is that you're no longer in darkness. You're no longer dead in your trespasses and sin. You're no longer separated from the love of God. You're no longer in darkness. You're no longer darkness. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, you are now light. You have been saved. You have been transformed. God has set you free from your sin. And because of that, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, to walk as children of light. In other words, Paul says to live out your salvation. Prove that you're following Jesus by imitating your heavenly father. Notice in verse 8, he keeps that same analogy of children. That we are to walk as children of light. In other words, we are to continue to imitate our Heavenly Father by walking in the light. Now the question is, what does that mean? Anytime we see symbolic terms like light and dark and we're told to walk in light, it gets a little confusing. Because we don't really know, I mean, what does that mean? That I carry a flashlight everywhere I go so that I can like walk in the light of the flashlight? 
Does it mean that it's, it's, it's you know, unwise to walk when it's dimly lit outside? No, that, these are symbolic terms. So what does it mean to walk in light? We understand walk in love. We, we know what it means to love people. But how do we walk in light as he is light? Well, again, remember that the term light refers to life. And that's why Paul says in verse 9, he says, The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So Paul in verse 9 gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to walk in the light. First of all, he says, To walk in the light, you will exhibit the fruit of all that is good. All that is good is an all-encompassing phrase, meaning that we're to do all those good things that God has prepared us to do. As a matter of fact, keep your finger in chapter 5 and flip with me back now to chapter 2, verse 10, where Paul first introduced this concept to us in terms of our salvation. He says in chapter 2, verse 8, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith." This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so he first establishes that we have been saved by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus, by God's grace. Amen? We haven't earned it, we don't deserve it, we've been saved because of God's grace in our life. However, notice what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good, what? Works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So verse chapter 5, verse 9 is actually referring us back to chapter 2, verse 10. And here's what Paul's saying. Is that if you want to exhibit the fruit of light in your life, if you want to walk in the light, then what you do is you do those things that God has prepared you to do. You do all the good things that God has prepared you to do in your heart and in your life. In other words, you accomplish God's will for your life. Well, in order to accomplish God's will, in order to accomplish those good works, we have to know what those good works are. Amen? That means we have to be in constant communication with God. We have to constantly be asking God, what is your will for me in this situation? What is it that you would have me to do here? We have to know the good works by being in an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen? That's the only way that we can walk in those good works. That's the only way that we'll accomplish those things that God has prepared beforehand that we should accomplish. And so we walk in the fruit of light. We exhibit the fruit of light, excuse me, by doing all that is good. And then we also do all that is right. Notice in verse 9. The term right refers to righteousness. Righteousness is a quality that only God possesses, not us. What's interesting is that back in chapter 4, verse 24, it says that we've been created righteous in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. Remember, we took off the old self and God put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness, verse 24 of chapter 4. So what that means is that we should be exhibiting the righteousness of God. That's the fruit of walking in light, is that we exhibit the righteousness of God. Now, as soon as I say that, we all kind of go, right? Because that's not easy to do. As a matter of fact, if you were living and breathing last week, chances are you failed many times at exhibiting the righteousness of Christ. Amen? 
we struggle because that's not who we are. We struggle because we have a hard time getting there on our own. The good news is God doesn't want you to get there on your own. He doesn't want you to struggle. He wants you to just yield all of yourself to Him. And He'll enable you to exhibit the righteousness of Christ in your life. Remember, you've been created new in righteousness. Amen? And so the best thing you can do is get out of the way. Amen? Just get out of the way. Surrender more of yourself to the Lord and follow Him in your life. And when you do, you will begin to exhibit the fruit of light. You will begin to put off the light of Jesus in your life so that you will shine brightly. Again, notice back in verse 8, we're not reflectors who reflect the light. We are the light. Jesus lives in us through the Spirit. Amen? So it's not that His light shines on us and reflects off of us. His light is in us. And so as we follow Jesus, we exhibit light on our own. And so the fruit of life is all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. Truth is found ultimately in God and His revelation to us. To exhibit truth means that we stand on the truth of God's Word and we live out that truth in our everyday life. What is true? This is true. Amen? And in a day and age where where discerning truth is becoming more and more difficult... I want to encourage you to stand on that which we know to be true, which is the Word of God. Amen? Listen, you can flip on any channel, any news, any outlet, any website. all, All will claim a different truth than what is actually true. And if you're like me, sometimes you go looking, trying to figure out what is true, because you have no way of knowing, right? Everybody says this, and they where do you even go to find truth? I know where. You go to the truth of God's revealed word. You plant your feet firmly on the word of God. You plant your life firmly on the truth of God's word and nothing else matters. Amen? You walk in the truth of God's word. You live out the truth of God's word. That's the fruit of light. All that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. And you plant yourself firmly on the truth of God's word. And when you put all these things together, it paints the picture of someone that is living out or proving their salvation. What we're going to find is that walking in love, walking in light, and next week walking in wisdom, they all basically mean the same thing. It's that we would walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. It's just different angles that all point back to us living out the salvation that we have in Christ. And so Paul says that we walk in the light by demonstrating the fruit of light. And then secondly, Paul says that we walk in the light by discerning what pleases the Lord. Look with me now in verse 10. Paul says that we try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now the terminology here is helpful Because Paul tells us to try to discern what is pleasing. In other words, Paul says that this isn't necessarily going to become natural or be obvious obvious to you. Right? He doesn't say, do what's pleasing. He says, try to discern. In other words, it's going to take a little bit of effort on our part. It's not going to be there in neon flashing signs. 
Matter of fact, if you see something in neon flashes signs, it's probably not the right thing. That's not pleasing to the Lord, most likely, right? But the question is, how then do I know what's pleasing to the Lord? I'm trying to discern it, but how can I know? Where do I go to discern what pleases God? Well, let me give you three things that will help us discern what pleases God. This is a side note. It doesn't count against my sermon time, so stop to keep in track, okay? All right? So the first place that you go to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, wit held it up, it is the revealed word of God. Amen? It is God's word. God's word tells us much of what we need to know in order to live life effectively for the glory of God. And if we want to know what is pleasing to the Lord, vast majority of the time, we will find it in the revealed word of God. We don't have to go anywhere other than Scripture most of the time. But in order to know it, we've got to read it, we've got to study it, we've got to memorize it, so that we can obey it. Amen? It has to come from the Word. And so how do I discern what pleases the Lord? I have to become a student of God's Word. I have to become someone who knows the Bible inside and out, someone who spends time in the Word so that I can know what pleases the Lord. You say, well, what if I'm not there yet? Keep at it. Amen? Keep at it. You never graduate from studying the Word of God. Amen? You, you, I, I'm not going to call anybody's name because I'll embarrass them, but there are faithful men and women of the Lord who are much older than I am who still spend time daily in the Word. They've read Scripture more than I have. They know God's Word inside and out more than I do. And you know why? It's not because they went to school. It's because they've lived longer than I have and they have spent their life in the Word of God. Amen? And so those are the heroes of the faith that we might have right here that we want to look up to and be like. Amen? We want to spend time in the Word of God. We want to study the Word of God. And so wherever you're at in your study of God's Word, keep at it. Keep going. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep memorizing. Keep in the Word. Keep in the Word. And so where do we go to discern what is pleasing to the Lord? The first place we go is the Word of God. And when we go there, we submit to the authority of Scripture. Amen? You can't go to this saying, well, let me see what it says, see if I'll like it or not. We go to the authority, we go to the Scripture knowing that it is the authority. And so what it says is what pleases the Lord and displeases the Lord. Amen? And so, first of all, we submit to the authority of Scripture. Secondly, we follow the leading of the Spirit. There are things in Scripture or, or in life that Scripture does not directly address. So what neighborhood should you live in? Not likely to find the exact address in Scripture. Okay, Should you accept that promotion at work or not? Again, not likely to find a verse in Scripture that tells you that directly. Now, you can go to Proverbs. You can gain some wisdom and maybe apply it to that situation. Amen? But ultimately, in order to make those decisions, we have to submit to the leading of the Spirit in our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been transformed from darkness to light, then the Spirit of God lives inside of you. 
And in order for you to be led by the Spirit, it means that you have to be in tune with the Spirit. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from spending time in the Word. Amen? Spending time in prayer. You want to have a relationship with the Lord? It's not a one-sided relationship. You don't get to do all the talking. But you also don't get to do only the listening. You do both. Right? He speaks through his word. You speak to him through prayer. Right? And then a lot of times he answers that prayer through the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now when the Spirit leads, you always make sure that it is in line with Scripture. Amen? One of our favorite youth camps is Ichthus up in Bryson City. And the director of that, that camp will oftentimes say this. Is it the Spirit or is it bad pizza? Right? Sometimes you feel like the Spirit's leading you to do something and it's not God. It doesn't line up with His Word. That's bad pizza. Right? Leave that alone. But if the Spirit is leading you to do something that lines up, that's not contradictory to Scripture, and you've prayed about it, you've felt led to do it, then that's the Spirit guiding you into all truth. And so we submit to the Spirit in our lives. We read Scripture, we pray, and we make sure if we're going to be led by the Spirit that we have confessed sin in our lives and dealt with sin. Spirit doesn't speak when there's sin in our lives. We've got we to get sin. We've got to deal with sin by confessing our sins so that Spirit can speak. And then what Jesus says in John 16, verse 13, will be true in us. Jesus says in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. It is an awesome thing to be led by the Spirit in your life. It is an incredible thing to know that God has encouraged, prompted, directed you to do something through the Holy Spirit. And so, how do you know what's pleasing to the Lord? You spend time in the Word, right? You submit to the Spirit. And then thirdly, you get help from the body of Christ. One of the things that I think Cor Ickes helped me see better than I had seen it before was the necessity of the body in discerning God's will for a member of the body. And what, what he meant by that wasn't that God's going to tell you what I ought to do. Let me, let me make sure you clearly understand that, okay? God's not going to reveal his will for my life to you. That's not going to happen. Okay, it's not going to happen. And I don't know how many times I've had somebody come up to me and say, you know what, you, know what you ought to do? Please tell me what you think I ought to do right? That's not how God works. God's going to reveal it to me, and then as I seek counsel, God is going to use the body to confirm his will to me. That's how that's going to work. Amen? You see how that works? So God tells me the will first, right? God tells Allie his will for her life first, And then when Allie is trying to discern God's will to make sure that she's doing what is pleasing to the Lord, she comes to me, she comes to you, she comes to somebody and says, hey, this is what God is leading me to do. And I just want to get your thoughts. I want to seek your advice and your counsel. And then God uses that person, that member of the body to confirm in her, man, that would be awesome. Man, that's what God is leading you to do. Man, that's going to be exciting. Man, I can see you doing that, right? Or lady, I think that's incredible, right? That's how God works. 
I don't know how many times I've gone to somebody seeking God's will, not sure of it, and I've said, man, this is what, this is what I feel like God's leading me to do. What do you think? And they've said, I've been waiting on you to tell me that. I've seen God doing that in your life. I remember when I surrendered to the ministry at 15 years old. I, I was, man, I was a punk-looking little kid. I had on really baggy pants. I had on really long hair. And, and, and I just, I didn't look anything like a pastor would look like, especially back in those days. I, I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I was a skater kid. I, I, was, I was not what you looked at and thought, hey, that kid's going to be a pastor. And I remember when I surrendered to the ministry, I was nervous, I was scared to death to go forward and to stand up before the church and say, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor because I knew I didn't look the part. And I, I felt like people were going to say to me, you got to be kidding. You got to be joking. There's no way. And I'll never forget the people that just lined up that day in church, small church like this, lined up and said, what took you so long? We've been seeing God do this in your life for years. We've been waiting on you to make this. We've been waiting on this to happen in your life. What took you so long? And I remember the encouragement of God using my church family to confirm what was pleasing in his eyes for my life. And it was an awesome thing. And I'm telling you, that's how God wants us to operate as the body. So how do we know what's pleasing to the Lord? We submit to the authority of Scripture. We, we look here first. Amen. And then we allow the spirit of God that lives inside of us to guide us into all truth when it's not clearly revealed in scripture. And then in those moments, especially when we just want to be certain, we latch on to the church family that God's blessed us with. And we confirm and we counsel and we ask people and let them help be God's mouthpiece to confirm his will into our lives. Amen. And so we do what is pleasing to the Lord. Notice that in verse 10. Again, now we're picking back up. You can start the clocks again. We try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. But then notice in verse 11, it says to take no part then in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So once you've discerned what's pleasing to the Lord, you know what is pleasing, but you also know what's not pleasing. Amen? You know that this is pleasing to God. These are the good things. This is light. And all this back here is darkness. And so Paul says that you're to, number one, avoid those things. He says, don't, don't even let those things be named among you. Ha- have no partnership with them, remember? But he also says that we're supposed to expose them. We're supposed to take that light, flashlight, if you will, and we're supposed to shine it out into the darkness and expose it. This past week, we were on vacation and we were actually out in the mountains and there was a lot of deer that were out behind the place where we at, which Noah and I just absolutely loved. And there was this one uh, deer in particular that was still in velvet, little, little six point, probably going to grow in maybe an eight or a ten. He's a pretty big looking deer, just hadn't fully developed yet his antlers. And he was, he's bedded down right behind where we stayed on the balcony. And so every night, Noah and I would go out and break the law and we would spotlight for deer, right? It was fun. It was all right. We, we didn't have a gun with us. So I think it might be okay in Virginia, maybe. And so we, Miss Brenda's going, no, probably not. She, they, they've been in Virginia a lot more than I have. So I'll take her word for it. So we took the light and we would turn it on. It's a bright light. And it would just penetrate the darkness. And it exposed everything that was out there. You could see deer. You could see any any movement, anything out there, that light exposed the darkness. Paul says that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're to expose the darkness. 
Now, we expose the darkness, first of all, by living out the truth of God's word, showing the world that there is a better way that honors, that pleases, and here's what I love, that works. That works. What do I mean by that? At the end of chapter 5, we're going we're gonna to get to talk about marriage. One of my favorite subjects in Scripture, marriage. You know what I love about what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 about marriage? Is when you do marriage God's way, it works. It just works. It absolutely flat out works. And so one way that you expose the darkness and you expose the foolishness of sin is you do what's pleasing to the Lord. And in doing that, it demonstrates the truth of Scripture, but it also proves that God's way works. You know, when you do marriage God's way, it eliminates the needs for crisis pregnancy centers. It eliminates the need for abortion. It eliminates the need for sexual, or it eliminates STDs altogether. Like, like if we just do marriage and sex God's way, it works so well that it fixes a lot of the problems that we have in society. Right? The family unit becomes the unit that God created it to be. And, and a lot of the problems that we see in society just go away because we do it God's way. So one way that we expose the darkness is we do it the right way and we prove to the world that God's ways work. Now we've got to be careful. We can't say to the world, look at us, we're perfect. We have to say, look at the things that we do that obey Scripture. Those things work, but if you see those things in my life that don't work, that's me, don't blame it on my God. And we also have to be quick to confess those things and reconcile those things and fix those things. Amen? And so we expose it by living out the truth, but then we also expose it by gently telling others that sin is sin. As believers, we, we can't just sit back and ignore sin. We, we have to point it out. We have to expose it. We've got to expose it in each other's life, holding one another accountable, and we have to expose it to the lost and dying world. Now, be careful the way in which we expose it must be loving and it must be in a way that benefits the gospel, not causes people to think that believers are hateful and don't love them. You understand what I'm... There's a lot of people that try to expose darkness in really hateful ways that just push people further and further away from the gospel. That's not, that's not what God wants. We expose the darkness by lovingly shining light and by demonstrating and explaining the truth of God's word. Not because we know better, but because he knows better. Amen? And so we, we walk in the light by demonstrating the fruit of light, and then we walk in the light by discerning what pleases the Lord. And then thirdly, we walk in the light by sharing the light with others. Now, verses 13 and 14 are confusing. As a matter of fact, many commentators have a hard time kind of working through verses 13 and 14. And I want us to read them together to make sure we understand what exactly Paul means in verses 13 and 14. Because he says this, after calling on believers to expose the darkness, why? 
Verse 12, because it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. Paul says there's a lot of wickedness that's going on in the world that's shameful. Then in verse 13, he says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And then he continues on and says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Now, if you're not careful, the way the text reads there, it almost reads as if if you shine a light on the sin and the sin sees the light, then the sin stops being sin, it becomes visible, and what's visible becomes light. And that's why commentators get confused on how to, how to figure out what Paul means here. But when you take this within context, what Paul is describing here is what happens when you expose sin to the world. First of all, when sin is exposed, when light is shown into the darkness, one, people begin to see that sin is sin. That's what Paul meant in verse 11. Expose it. Call sin, sin. Amen? Call it sin. It's what it is. But then the other thing that happens when you expose sinfulness is it enables people to see the light and they then can be transformed from darkness to light. As a matter of fact, isn't that what happened to us in verse 8? We were darkness. And somebody shone the light of Jesus to us. And when we saw the light of Christ, that light penetrated our hearts and we were transformed from darkness to light. That only happens when people shine the light on us. Amen? And so part of walking in the light is to share the light of Christ with others. As a matter of fact, notice that meaning carried throughout verses 13 and 14. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. People begin to realize and see their sin. Anything that becomes visible is light. These are those that are transformed by the light. These are those who say yes to Jesus. And then notice what it says in the second part of verse 14 as Paul quotes most likely an early Christian hymn that was inspired by Isaiah. He says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Here's what Paul's doing. He's using this early Christian hymn, and he's using it as a call to the lost saying, awake from the dead. Put your faith in Christ and Christ will shine on you. He will transform your life just like he did our lives. Amen? But that only happens when we shine the light of Christ and the gospel into the darkness. So how do we shine the light? Well, again, there's two ways that we can do this. One is we live out our faith in the lost and dying world. As a matter of fact, hasn't that been the entire theme of chapter 4 and 5? To walk worthy of the salvation with which you've been called? Paul has literally been telling us for the last two chapters to live out our faith in the world. Let other people see Jesus by the way that you live your life. And so the first way and one of the effective ways that God gives us to shine the light of Christ into the lost and, lost and dark world is to live out our faith in life. But I want you to hear me loud and clear. People do not come to faith in Jesus simply by watching others live out the gospel. People come to faith in Jesus by hearing the gospel verbally and responding to it personally. For a long time, the church has failed miserably because we have stopped at just trying to live out the gospel and we've hoped that would be good enough 
but we've been too shy and too afraid to talk about Jesus out loud. Amen? And because of that, most of us in here know that tension in our own lives. Amen? It's that I, I struggle with it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not super evangelist. It's not who I am. I struggle with opening my mouth to share the gospel. It's a struggle for all of us. Amen? It'd be great if all we had to do was live it out or wear a t-shirt that said, trust Jesus, and that's all that God required. That's all that God needed. But it's, we need more than that. Amen? This past week, we were, we were hiking because uh, we we're crazy. And we decided that a 3.3-mile hike that had an elevation drop far more than we now realize was humanly possible for us was a good idea to go see waterfalls where there was perfectly good pictures of the waterfall on the website we looked at. You could have just looked there and been fine, but we didn't. We decided to walk all the way down this hill. And so as we are walking down this monstrous hill for, I guess it was, I can't do the math. I'm not even going to try. We walked for half of the way. So that's what, one point something miles. We walked half the way down. And this was one of those where it was so steep that every time you took another step, you, your legs went, just shaking the whole time. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody there. The legs are shaking. And then you get to the bottom to see a waterfall. And then you realize, yay, I have to walk back up the hill. Great, right? But down at the bottom of the hill, we met these two, uh, these, this couple that was actually visiting from France. And they were there to see this waterfall, to hike in the Shenandoah. And then they were going to visit family somewhere else uh, in Virginia. And so as we were talking to them, we were nice to them. We were, we, were, we were explaining to them how awesome it is that they are here. We were doing our best to speak a little bit of French to them. We were showing the love of Christ to them in a visible and tangible way. We were, we were loving. We were polite. The kids were well behaved. They weren't hanging off the side of the mountain most of the time when we were talking to them. Like we were doing our best to show the love of Jesus to them. And they even made the comment, man, Americans are so polite. They're, they're just, every, we, we just love getting to meet you guys. You're so friendly and so polite and so encouraging. And we were there with another pastor and his family. And so, so after we showed the love of Jesus with them, we then begin to verbally express the love of Christ for them. And we begin to say, you know what? It, really, it's because of Jesus that lives inside of us. And honestly, we spend our lives trying to help people understand the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And we begin to verbally share the gospel with them. Now, it was, it was nerve-wracking, right? One, because if they got mad at me, I couldn't run away. It was uphill. I was dead, right? I'm kidding. But it was, it was a little nerve-wracking, a little intimidating like it always is. But as, as, as Allie had a professor that once said, it's, it's, it's supposed to be awkward, right? Expect the awkwardness. It's uncomfortable obedience sometimes. And you just open your mouth and you share the gospel. Now, they didn't get saved, but they heard the truth of the gospel. And I know that God will use that in their life to continue to bring them closer and closer to him as his will, as his will kind of paves the way there. But again, we shine the light by sharing the light of Christ with others. And we do that by living it out, but we also do that by expressing it verbally. Amen? So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want, I want you to be bold enough to pray this. Lord, give me an opportunity to share my faith this week. Just 
God, give me an opportunity to share my faith this week. God, help me to see it. God, help me to know it. And then God, help me to go through with it. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes God has to do that to get you to notice it. Right? Because you're busy doing life, thinking that all this is what matters, completely ignoring the eternal life that is to come. Amen? That's all of us. We get there. And we're, we're all doing this. And God has to go, here's an opportunity. Here's someone. So, so pray that God help me to see it. Right? Help me to notice it. And then God help me to take advantage of it. Help me to follow through sharing the gospel. Amen? So I, I want to encourage you to pray that. Because we're not truly walking in the light until we are shining the light to others. So, how do we walk in the light? We walk in the light by demonstrating the fruit of light. We walk in the light by discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. And we walk in the light by sharing the light with others. So let me ask you this morning, are you walking in the light? Is the fruit of light evident in your life? All that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. Are you able to discern what pleases the Lord in your life? Are you spending time in the word? Are you yielded to the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you in the church family well enough that people can give you counsel and can confirm God's will in your life? And then finally, are you sharing the light of Christ with others? Are you living out the gospel daily? And are you sharing Christ when God gives opportunity? Will you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I know how I would respond to this message. I would respond by, first of all, feeling the conviction of God because I am not doing what I know I ought to do. And so if that's you this morning, then let me encourage you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you feel as if you have fallen short, then confess it and ask God to forgive you. And then don't try and do better. Instead, submit yourself back to the Lord. The more we submit to him, the more he accomplishes this through us. And so if you're here this morning and you feel the conviction of God in your life, then confess it. Seek his forgiveness, knowing he will forgive, and then submit yourself back to the Lord. If you're struggling in a particular area, then confess that and ask God to give you the time to spend in the word, to make you aware of those conversations where you can share Christ with others. And if I was responding to this message, which I have, I would also have to respond by asking God for more boldness to share my faith. Anytime I, I hear a message on evangelism, I am immediately convicted and know that I, I could do better. And I, I struggle with, with conviction that would lead to, to not conviction, but feeling sorry for myself. And so I want you to avoid that. I, I, I don't want you to feel... I don't want you to feel overly convicted. I want you to feel convicted where God convicts. But then I want you to know that God will use you if you will let him. And so I want you to join with me in just praying, God, 
Give us opportunities this week to share our faith. Lord, help us to see those opportunities and help us, Lord Jesus, to take advantage of those opportunities, knowing that it is your work, not ours. So, Lord, help us to be faithful in sharing the gospel. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are doing in our hearts and our lives. And we now surrender this time of invitation, asking for your will to be done in us and through us this morning. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.